Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bible to Matthew. That's the first book of the New Testament. If you need a Bible, there should be one handy uh, at the end of the pew. And we're going to look at chapter six of Matthew. Uh, I want to thank uh, Sam Fielder for standing in uh, for me uh, last week and helping us to to walk through the earlier part of Matthew six. I'll I'll remind us because it's kind of helpful to from time to time see where we are progressing. We can lose the forest for the trees, you know, sometimes. But uh, we're working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, this message that Jesus uh, Jesus gave to his disciples about the kingdom of God. And we uh, started uh, really several months ago now uh, looking at the Beatitudes at the beginning of chapter five. Those blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we uh, we moved on from that to, to see how God calls us actually to be salt and light when we're starting to live in those beatitude sort of ways. We're able to influence and bless the world uh, around us, not because of anything great about us, but just because God chooses to use weak uh, and needy vessels. So we, we, we saw that. And then we saw that, that Jesus specifically says that what he's doing in his ministry is not uh, uh, abrogating or derailing the Old Testament, the work of God in the Old Covenant. In fact, he's come to fulfill it, he said. And he you know, put his rubber stamp and said, every little letter of, of God's word is true, is sound. We can rely upon it. And I came to fulfill it. And we went on and, and saw that uh, Jesus uh, wanted to deal with some of the misinterpretations of, of some of his commandments at the time about uh, murdering and uh, adultery and telling the truth and those things that are in those, those big ten commandments. And, and he walked through and said, hey, what's going on in our hearts when we're angry in an unjustified way? Actually kind of a murderous sort of thing. Uh, What's going on in our hearts when we're uh, looking lustfully? Actually, kind of an adulterous thing. Uh, What's going on in our hearts when we make make a promise to somebody we don't really plan to keep? It's really kind of a dishonesty thing. And and also, by the way, on top of all that, uh, when we when we sort of go against all that and, and hate people instead of loving them and seeking to serve them, we're not really loving our enemies the way God calls us to and the way his kingdom works. And then that took us through the end of chapter five. And then the last couple of uh, weeks, we've been looking at three spiritual practices. So kind of our, our, our piety, our, our, our daily religious practice, you might say. And we looked at, at giving to those who are in need. We looked at prayer and fasting. And we said the big thing there that Jesus wants us to see is, hey, be, be real careful about patting ourselves on the back because we're doing good spiritual stuff. And be real careful about wanting to just get the acclaim of others for your spiritual stuff. It's easy to do that when we're doing good, good things, the right things that God calls us to do. He said, instead, do those things for God. Do those things so that he'll see and for his uh, higher reward. So that brings us up to to where we are today in the the passage that we have. And and, and in our passage today, uh, Jesus is going to speak to us. And really the centerpiece of it is this idea of seeking first the kingdom, seeking first the kingdom. And in particular, Jesus wants to address the fact that in this world, we tend to get derailed uh, from that, either by trying to build up our own kingdom or by worrying about losing our own lives, or our own well-being or our own kingdom. Those are the two directions we tend to head. I'll read this aloud. You all uh, can, can remain seated this week and just read along with me silently. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, 
where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. In verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life or what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray again together. Father, we uh, thank you for this reminder about your kingdom living that you call us to, that you invite us to. Father, we pray in our time today that you would do a work of liberation, that we'd be freed up to live uh, more for you and your kingdom, because that's where our joy will be found. That's where our delight will be found. That's where the, the greatest of blessings will be found. And and Lord, that you'd free us up from our temptation to build our kingdom now or to be worried constantly about our kingdom. And instead, Lord, that we might live for yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the main idea, I think, that the Lord would have us see from this passage, and if you want to take some notes, there's a section in the back of your uh, your uh, worship guide where you can jot some things down. I don't have this main idea down there this week, but it's just this, that because God actually loves you and me better than we even know how to love ourselves, God loves you and me even better than we know how to love ourselves, we should seek his kingdom first. It's tough, though. It's tough to have the right perspective on this passing life, this short span of 80 or 90 or maybe 100 years at the most that we might have. It's it's so easy for us to get drawn into this thing of building our own kingdom or kind of huddling around and trying to protect what we think we have ourselves or our belongings And instead, 
Christ calls us to believe that that he indeed has has guaranteed for us already the greatest thing. He's given us eternal life. He's secured secured our place in heaven. So we don't have to worry. We don't have to guard and don't have to seek after things that aren't of his kingdom. It was interesting this last um, week, as I've already prayed and and mentioned, uh, a number of you all had been praying for patience and I, we we really do consider it a privilege and are thankful for you all as a church sending us down to this uh, uh, conference that we were at in the Dominican Republic, where all these, you know, 200 or more uh, missionaries and their families gathered together the last week, just to really, as you can imagine, being in that environment, just kind of contagious, you absorb a lot of things. And they, they had a little time of testimony at each of the teaching sessions that we had a couple of times each day because it's a training and kind of equipping time for the missionaries as as well as a a sort of conference uh, time for them and their families and 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 so we we went and we heard lots of different stories and many of them were powerful but i'll tell you what uh, the the one that we heard about the work in la seba honduras struck me very deeply I've had the privilege, you know, last number of years, we've been down to Peru a lot as our church has been focused on that. But uh, but I've had the privilege next to Peru of being to Honduras, probably the most out of any other country to do do mission work. So it's kind of ten, you know tender on my heart. I've at least been there and know a little bit of what it, it looks like in, in that part of the world. And so these missionaries began to share how they had gone down to this uh, this particular city. And uh, and I'm not sure what what I would do if I arrived in the community that I felt called to by God to go serve and you know, raised support to go there and felt called by God to minister there. And, and the first thing that happens when I arrive with my, myself, my wife and my kids is that the gang violence and uh, crime that, as you know, has has really become. Uh, synonymous with Honduras in the Western Hemisphere. Now it's one of the most. It's very sad. One of the most dangerous places. You know, to 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 arrive and have all of that stuff all of a sudden descend upon your community. I don't know what I would do. I'd probably start packing the bags, and and and, and you probably would think about it as well. But uh, the missionary folks we were with, one couple in particular, the husband. Decided, you know, after a couple of months, I'm sure it wasn't the first day he decided to do this, but it just got worse and worse and every bit of crime that you can imagine happening in their community. And he decided to, on a bold plan. He was going to trust God. He was going to seek God's kingdom. He's going to set aside his own well-being enough that he was going to go and try to approach the leaders of the gang and talk to them about the gospel. Now, I don't know how that kind of conversation goes in a missionary household when hubby's about to head out, you know, head out the door. Where are you going? Oh, I'm just I'm headed out for a little bit, darling. I'll be you know, I'll be back in a little bit. No, no. Where, where are you? Where are you going? I'm going to run by the store, pick up a few things, probably stop by the office, you know, go try to preach the gospel. to Some gang leaders armed to the hilt. You know, that's that's just what I'm doing. But, you know, I'm not sure how that played out. But um, but it was interesting to have his wife actually share the, the story. So I'm sure she she was praying for him and supportive of what he was doing. And sure enough. He ended up with a gun to his head uh, on his knees in front of 20 of the gang leaders. And then the I guess you'd call him the gang lord, the main guy. And uh, they didn't give him you know, much time to, to, to share or communicate it. They just wanted to get him out of there. They realized you know, pretty quickly that he wasn't a physical threat. So they did at least let him talk a little bit about the Lord and then shoot him off. He thought, well, you know, I've, I've, I've given it given it an effort. And then something amazing happened a day or two later. Edmondo, I believe was his name, was one of those 20 guys standing around. Not the main guy, but one of the 20 guys. He shows up at their church, at their ministry, 
And he's given his life to Christ. And he wants to change, wants to go in a different direction. And so the missionaries going to go back with him, back into that lion's den and, and goes on with Edmondo. And you can imagine what happens now. You know, I don't know. We all have different experiences here. I don't maybe some have direct experience with gangs and so forth. I don't have any directly, but I, I do feel like I know the one rule about gang life. And you know it as well, is that once you're in, you don't get out. Right. Wouldn't that be the main rule you would say that we all know sort of about gangs, even if we don't know anything else? The missionary goes back with Edmondo and the gang lord stands up and points his gun around at all those 20 leaders that are standing there. And particularly at Edmondo and says, hey, nobody leaves this gang. You know that that's part of being in this gang. No one leaves this gang. And then he paused and said, except if you decide to follow God. Amazing work of the Lord. Now, the missionaries told us they're still, they're still working on the gang, Lord, and where he is spiritually. But other folks in that gang have been touched by the gospel and their communities really been changed by it. And I, I thought about that with our passage today because it was an example of the opposite of what we so often are prone to. And, uh, and sure, we sort of expect missionaries to do that kind of stuff. I don't think it was probably an easy decision for them to, to go and put themselves in harm's way. But, but they were, I think, really seeking God's kingdom first and believing that God would do a work and that he was sovereign over their very lives, that he watches over them like the lilies of the field and that he would uh, take care of them as they did his will. We have such a hard time believing that, don't we? We're not faced with anywhere near that difficult decision, but but we're so prone to run to to say, I'm going to find my security in building up my kingdom here or in protecting the one I've got. I'm going to worry. I'm going to worship the God of warriors and kind of make sure if I think about things enough, if I'm anxious about things enough, I'll be able to keep everything where it needs to be. Or if I really seek and pursue and accumulate and get more of this, maybe I'll be where I want to be. Jesus calls us out of that, and he does it in two ways. He speaks to both of these issues. If you want to look back at the passage with me, verses 19 through 24, in particular, he talks us about the, the dangers of trying to kind of build our own kingdom. And your kingdom may just be, you know, your, your own individual family. It may be your work success, it, it, whatever it is for you. It may be your enjoyments and entertainments, but, but wherever we say, that the stuff of this life is going to be what I need and provide my safety, security, my life. That, to me, is kind of building up our own kingdom. Jesus gets pretty pointed about it. He talks about the money side of it, but it could be a lot of things for us. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But instead, lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys. It's interesting, again, we see this concept that we've seen all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus is not just interested in calling us away from our lives caught up in sin or caught up in selfishness. He, he wants instead to woo us over, to give us a blessing and joy in, in the direction he's calling us. And here we see the same thing. He doesn't just say, hey, you know, yield all your resources to God. He says, when you do that, you're actually going to be blessing yourself. And whatever this future kingdom reality looks like, you're going to be laying up treasures that are there. It's interesting. Uh, 
to think about it in this way. Uh, Jesus is kind of, you know, he's kind of being a buddy to us. He's really sort of helping us, giving us good insight like you would want a friend to, to give you. Imagine if, if you had a buddy that was going to come to your house and he was living out of town. And you said, okay, well, come on, you're going to stay with me for a few days. And he calls up and says, okay, uh, Chris, I've got about 100 pounds of steaks loaded up in my car. I've got 50 uh, gallons of milk loaded up. I've got 300 bananas and I'm on the way to, to come to your house to stay for a while. You know, you'd want to say, hey, hey, buddy, there's there's only so much refrigerator space at the Peter's house. There's not going to be a place for you to put all of those things. Don't 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 waste your time. You're loading too much stuff up. Jesus is kind of doing the same thing with us. We uh, it's easy to look at it as a command. It is a command he's giving us. But he's also just coming alongside us saying, hey. Uh, you're misguided. You're, you're, you're trying to put stuff in somewhere where there's not enough place to store it. This world can't hold all that. My kingdom is the place to put that. The uh, 19th century British preacher Charles Spurgeon put it this way. I, I thought this is interesting. It's got a little bit of that, you know, language, uh, English language. that's a little hard to follow at points. He says this. He said, full often... Wealth deceives the owner, tricks us, he says. He says, dainties, little morsels to eat, are spread on his table, but his appetite fails. Minstrels, you know, song players, musicians, wait his bidding, but his ears are deaf to the strains of music. How many albums we got on our thing and how quickly do we become tired of them? Holidays, he's talking about vacations. He says, holidays he may have as many as he pleases. But for him, recreation has lost all its charms. Been on a vacation lately and some point become a little disappointed in your very vacation, your getaway time. I've been there. Or he's young, Spurgeon says. Fortune has come to him by inheritance and he makes pleasure his pursuit until sport. He means entertainment. Sport becomes more irksome than work and dissipation worse than drudgery. Convicting. And for us today, I would just encourage us, because I know we've talked about these matters before, just encourage us to ask ourselves, just this, this sort of broad question is a good one. In the last week, in the last month, where is the place, Chris, Where where is the place for all of us where... We've made a, a decision, some concrete decision to say, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God instead of building up my own kingdom. I'm going to believe these verses that Jesus tells me. Second thing we see in this passage and probably one that plagues us as much, if not more than the uh, sort of building our own kingdom part is the defending and shielding and worrying about our kingdom however we define that Uh, there's a lot for us to chew on in all of this but if you look with me at verse 25 this is kind of where it it starts off and jesus says therefore i tell you do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing he goes on later we already saw in verse 23 or verse 33 and he says hey seek first the kingdom of god and then what? And then things will stink. Your life will be really lame. 
Things won't go the way you desire for them to be. He says, no, seek first the kingdom of God. And actually all these things are going to be added unto you. These kingdom things might not look like we want it to look, but these kingdom things will be added unto us. What he's saying is this again, he's wooing us. He's saying, I invite you to this better life, not just away from this other life, but I invite you to experience this better life. Uh, John Stott says this about our worrying. You ever think about worry and you say, well, all right, Chris, I, I get the thing about building up my own kingdom. That does seem kind of, you know, that doesn't seem to quite go with the whole Christian life thing. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm along with you there. You say worry. I mean, who can stop worrying? I mean, it's, it's just it's almost impulsive. It's in the back. It's a tape that runs almost constantly. And, and we're going to talk in a minute. I, I've got a little, you know, misconception disclaimers we'll do at the end about the, the right uh, pursuit of provision that we should make for our household and even for future planning. So we're going to talk about that. Don't freak out. But let's talk first about what Jesus does say before we talk about what he doesn't say. And it's interesting uh, to take a look at what Stott says. He says, really, worry is a pretty serious thing. He says, number one, it's, it's unproductive. It doesn't yield anything. Did you read uh, verse 34 here? That therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, let tomorrow be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What's he saying there? It's kind of funny wording. He's saying, hey, tomorrow's going to have problems. They're going to be there. And, and so even though we want to, part of us wants to worry about it, be anxious about it, so we can hopefully work it into the way we want to. In fact, you know, tomorrow's going to have its own trouble. Take that, take that on tomorrow. Don't bring that on to today, is what Jesus is saying. So it's unproductive. Stott says as well, he says it's unnecessary. Um, we're going to look at this whole passage about lilies and birds and so forth. God's going to take care of us. So it's really unnecessary to pursue it. That's why it's significant. And then maybe the biggest thing is it's unworthy, unworthy of really who we are. Uh, Jesus makes these comparisons here between grass and birds that, you know, God values as part of his creation, but we're created in the image of God. We have this value because of that. Jesus says, hey, to live bound up in worry and anxiety is really not worthy of who God calls us to be. So take a look with me at, uh, at that verse 25, and we'll walk through these last few uh, verses here in, in our remaining few minutes. As I said, he, he urges us not to be anxious about our life. Well, well, why? It's interesting. Jesus doesn't, um, he doesn't pit faith and reason against one another. He works the two of them together. You know, we're sort of taught... You either got to be a rational person and then you can't really be a person of faith. Or if you're a person of faith, then that means you sort of jettison your, your mind. Jesus uh, is, is making a very, uh, it's a simple, but it's a very logical argument here. And the first part of it is, is what we might call going from the greater to the lesser. Okay, this is not going to be too complicated for us. You got to buckle on your little mental cap for just a minute, going from the greater to the lesser. And it's just here in verse 20, 25, he says, is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing. What's the simple message there? Jesus is saying, hey, where'd you come from? How do you even have life? How do you have this body? Where'd it come from? God gave it to us. So if he's going to do that, then he'll take care of these lesser things as well. If you ask your neighbor to borrow his brand new pickup truck for a whole week, and he's fine with that, 
he's probably going to be okay for you to come by and borrow his tweezers for five minutes. Right? From the greater to the lesser, Jesus says. What's that mean for you and me? Boy, it's an interesting time if we're prone to anxiety and worry. And most of us worry in different areas. And you flip on the TV. Ebola, right? All over the news, we're all thinking about it. Whether you think it's a whole thing that's blown out of proportion or whether you're, you know, scrubbing your hands every day and wearing a little mask, you know, on your face. We saw some folks wearing masks in our recent travels at the airport. You know, whatever your thoughts are about it, boy, those things get your attention, right? A little bit. And, and you, can, you can worry. You can become anxious about it. It's an opportunity to trust God and his kingdom. You know, the, uh, our workplace and our financial well-being, that's one of those things that really gets at our, at our heart where it is. Not just where Jesus says earlier, how are we investing what we've got, but this tendency to want to really protect and be fearful. And what's going what's to happen to my job and what's going to happen to my retirement fund? And all of these things are places where we can. There's virtually endless ways to worry, aren't there? It can just go on and on. And the other thing is interesting about it uh, for me personally is that, that that starts to rob us of really enjoying just the things that God has given us, doesn't it? I read years ago a book by a guy named Randy Alcorn, and he had ended up in a position where um, he had a very limited income for a season in his life. And so his family, he had kids and married and so forth. His family had to learn uh, after having for a while, you know, reasonable amount of resources, how to get by on very limited amounts. And he talked about how that made them appreciate so much more just walking out into a beautiful day like we've got today. Throwing a Frisbee at the park, watching a, a, a bird or, or listening maybe to some music they had and just enjoying what they had, what was with them. You know, I, I had a little bit of this experience down in in our trip here recently, uh, as you know, I like to, to get out and get some exercise from time to time. And, and the area of the conference center there that was down by the coastline, they had a, a sort of swimming area. And early in the morning, I got up uh, three or four mornings to go down there about seven o'clock and, and get some laps in before we had our meetings for the day and our meetings with missionaries. And, and the last morning I was down there and it was just beautiful as I started my, my swim and so forth. And then, you know, 15, 20 minutes went by and I was getting wrap, starting to wrap up. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, clouds came over the sky. And I thought, oh, man, it's, you know, it's getting cloudy down here. This was the kind of last day, you know, beautiful place in Dominican Republic. And this, this rain starts coming down. And I got, got a little discouraged and started to walk up out of there. And then all of a sudden, I saw hands down the most beautiful rainbow I have ever seen in my life. I mean, this thing was every single color you can, you know, it was all there, just like someone had drawn it with a marker, always spanning, you know, usually you don't see them a little section, this was spanning the entire width of the sky, and I thought, man, this is, this is fantastic, it's incredible, just a gift that God provides for, there's nothing, you can't buy that, it's just there. Now, I walked up to the beach, and as I was walking back, ran into one of the French guys in his Speedo walking on the beach, that was a different picture, that was a different image, different moment for me, different moment for me there, but but for a moment, it was it was really powerful. Jesus is just saying this when he talks about these lilies, when he's talking about the birds, he's saying here from the lesser to the greater. Okay? He's talked about the greater to the lesser. He's talking here from the lesser to the greater, saying, look, if I take care of grass and enable it to grow, provide for it nutrients, 
If I take care of the birds and provide for them, I'll provide for you too. And it's a, it's a big question for us. Do we believe that? It's probably a question for us, as I said earlier, do we really believe that God is that disturbed with our worry? You know, it's, it's a sort of an okay area of sin. You know, nobody's necessarily going to see that. It's not going to get you, it's not going to land you in jail. It doesn't necessarily uh, overflow to people around you. And so a question for us is, you know, does it really you know, bother God? Well, I, I think it does. I think because because in it, we're, we're not just failing to seek his kingdom, but it's like our, our catechism question we read earlier today. We're, we're kind of missing the fact that he's the one that loves us and will provide for us. And we're looking instead to ourselves and to our own abilities. What an amazing thing it is that God provides for us and we can trust in that. Let me read one little poem and then uh, three quick disclaimers and we'll be done. Stott uh, puts this in his little commentary that I've been reading, preparing for this sermon series. I thought this was a good one. He says this uh, from some song I'd never heard, but apparently it's common over in England where he wrote this thing. He said, says this, said the robin to the sparrow. I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry. So said the sparrow to the robin friend, I think it must be. That they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Kind of a memorable, pretty way to remind ourselves of the truth in these verses. Well, what do you you say? Well, okay, Chris, I understand this idea. I'm supposed to seek first the kingdom of God. I I really, I I can't really do that and and have my whole heart invested in this idea of building my own kingdom. It's got to be one way or the other. I also can't really do that and sit here and worry and be anxious about protecting what I've got, my own life or or my little kingdom that I'm building. Uh, But but what about just normal life? How do we get by? Well, the scriptures clearly teach as well. This idea that we're called to work, you know, we're called to provide for our household all the way back in Genesis, right? The first few chapters of the Bible, how did God create? Created in six days and then he rested. That's a paradigm for our lives and work. What did he do with Adam? He put him in the garden just to chill out, how to work it, care for it, tend it. Talks in Second Second Thessalonians, I'm sorry, chapter three about the fact that if a man will not work, he should not eat. That's pretty clear. The Bible makes it clear there's those primary causes and secondary causes. The problem is worry, anxiety about it, building our identity around it. The problem isn't the actual provision itself. We also saw already you say, well, how's I mean, how's this actually going to happen? You're saying God's going to provide. God's going to care for people like the tree, you know, the birds. And so how does that actually take place? Is this manna going to drop down from from heaven? I mean, that, that'd be great. We see that happen in some places. Well, we just saw it earlier in Matthew chapter six, the first part of it, where God says, hey, uh, give bless others. That's one of the things we do with our deacon fund and our church family is we when when folks are struggling or have a difficult time inside our church or in the community that we know about, we want to want to help. That's part of what we're trying to do. We're the vehicle for God fulfilling some of his purposes that way. That's the second thing. And then the last one is that, uh, you know, you might read this and say, what about tough stuff? You know, Jesus watches over us. But wait a minute. People do lose their jobs. People in the world do struggle to find something to eat. So how, how does that work? And uh, I can't go into all of that. We don't have time for today other than just to say that um, God knows that. 
You know, he's aware of that. And what he says is that we should seek his kingdom and trust in his eternal plan, even if things might not work out for us as well in this life. It's a step of faith. It's not an easy thing to believe that when things are not going your way. It's much easier to say, I'm going to worry and I'm going to try to control it or I'm going to try to shield that off by building my own kingdom. God says, hey, I invite you to faith in me. I'm ultimately the one who controls all things. Believe in me and you'll find your trust in the right place. Oswald Chambers said this, the remarkable thing about fearing God, talking about reverencing God, worshiping God. He says, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would enable us to fear you in the sense that we know you and seek your kingdom. And in investing ourselves in that and believing in that and seeing that Jesus has called us to it, I pray, Lord, as I prayed earlier, that you would just free us up. Lord, free us up from uh, building. Lord, we want to seek to do things that you've called us to in this life. But, Lord, we don't want to seek them to such an empty purpose as just to fulfill ourselves. We want to do it for you and your purposes. And, Lord, we pray that you would help us to guard and break through in those areas. Uh, Many of us here probably have regular areas of anxiety, maybe even bouts of worry that we would say. And we ask, Lord, that you would break through in those areas and help us to believe uh, in you and in your kingdom. And so doing that we'd be freed up, our energy and our efforts would be liberated from uh, those things and we'd be able to direct them to the things of your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.